Podcast ain't played nobody. Well, well, well. Look who's back. Anything happened while I was gone? Nah. Nah. We good? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Spring practices are winding down. Um, maybe we may get a, a late coach firing in like May or something, but nah, it's it's been pretty status quo. Wouldn't it be funny if that still happened? Jesus. <laughs> Uh, all right, we're going to do the real show. Uh, my name is Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38Godfrey. That is Richard Johnson at RJ underscore writes. I am. I can feel the rust in my podcasting muscles. Man, I got to shake it off. Long off season. The, yeah, for one, for one time. I got healthy for week 16. This is a fascinating turn of events. Um, I should, hold on, let's, real quick, I, I should say, uh, yeah. b- besides Twitter, I can also be reached at R-A-G-J-476 at gmail.com. Just get saying. Get them plugs in, get them plugs in. Just saying. It's the way to do it. Um, this is podcast ain't played nobody. Who knows what it was? It was once a marriage of numbers and words. Uh, after that, we hated your team. Yeah, I don't know. Last day of school, you can put your head down on the desk or uh, we can watch Jurassic Park and call it science class. That's a real thing that happened to me in Mississippi High School, I might add. Incredible. Um, Incredible so, that it happened in Mississippi for some reasons. Well, they don't even believe in dinosaurs. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, as people would probably know, I imagine if you're a weekly adherent to this podcast. Let me stop, actually. Good job while I was gone. Thank you. Good variety. You and Mr. Alex Kirshner, who's not on this podcast, did a great job. Um, It's supposed to be different. It's supposed to be esoteric. It's supposed to drill down into the minutia of the minutia. Y'all did that very well. Um, And now we uh, and now we wait, Richard. We wait. Um, do you, you can go ahead and go through the, the spiel. It's your spiel to give. Yeah, we can uh, we can rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, I, as well as three of my Banner Society colleagues and uh, 20 or so of just broader SB Nation colleagues are going to be furloughed from May 1st through July 31st at the least. Um, you know, Vox Media is not immune from COVID-19 and, and being affected by the coronavirus. Um, you know, this was news that I heard uh, on Monday, I'm on our, our union committee, and so I was privy to it uh, along with Alex before a lot of other people were. But uh, as soon as we heard it, got to work and, and tried to negotiate the best contract for our people, um, our, our entire union, uh, as best we could. Um, and, and I think that we did, given the confines of the negotiations. I'm proud of what we were able to to get done. And at the end of last week, the news came out. Um, and so, yeah, the, as far as what happens to Banner Society, me, Jason, Spencer, and Alex uh, will not be with you for at least three months. Um, I would be lying to you if I told you that I have any idea what Banner Society is going to look like, what, what SB Nation is going to look like, what my life is going to look like, what America is going to look like in two weeks past May 1st, much less uh, August 1st, when when hopefully we all get on the other side of this for a little period, no matter what we do. Um, I, like, w- before we do the podcast or before we talk, or I don't even know what we're going to do, we don't have a plan. We just turned the mics on and started going for probably the first time since we've done this before. I like, I really and truly want to express heartfelt gratitude. Th- and that's not only to everybody who has... DM'd me or emailed me or, or tweeted at me and, and the rest of the crew. We are all overwhelmed, truly overwhelmed by how much you guys have expressed care and gratitude and thanks for all we do is write and talk about football, man. I, it's, it, it, is, it is gobsmacking that, that it affects people in the way that it affects people, but it is so nice to know that it does. Um, when I took over on this podcast to, to be, to, to follow Bill. Um, I was worried, um, worried because I know as a consumer of the podcast previously, I know the bar that I had set for it, that I knew what I was going to be getting every week from you two. Um, and I knew that it was going to be hell to try to live up to that and, and be half as good. Um, I, I knew that I owed it to the listeners 
to to bring myself to the table and and be as best as I could as a co-host and and I hope that I was able to do that and will be able to do that in the future. Um, I I feel bad that a lot of people had reached out even before this furlough period and were like, "Hey, thanks for still recording. We love the pod. Like it gives us an hour off of life." Um, I like really, really took that to heart, um, I, and I really appreciated that, and and I hoped that that was what the podcast could give people. Um, so to those people, uh, I I I guess I'm sorry because we're breaking a promise. Um, we don't know when we're going to be back, and I don't know when I'm going to be back. But uh, you know, I hope that as long as the ride was, that you truly did enjoy it, and that wherever it is we pop up next you come with us because that's going to be pretty fun too. Well said, young man. You became very calm and measured in my absence. Yeah, something like that. I did throw a little bit of a party. I had my friends over at least. We just cleaned up. Yeah, I know. I don't even see anything on the carpet. Um, Yeah, so this would actually be my second farewell PAPN in less than 12 months. Incredible. When you consider the the 1-0 to 2-0 transition. Um, that doesn't even include Bud uh, moving on. So it's been a hell of a year if you are a dedicated PAPN listener. Uh, we have we took a very structured, very rigid format that was very, very defined. Some might say overly defined. And we smashed it. And then we, we basically stayed on the whiteboard for a year, I think, kind of playing around with stuff. And that is not a measure of failure. That is not a measure of anything other than that we like to do that. This is kind of like, I think, what defines us as a group, what defines the show. Uh, I said it earlier. We like to get really, really specific. We like to really parse things. And we will try stuff that other shows won't. And that's also why we don't talk about the same five things that every other show talks about. So it's been a weird year. Um, I feel as if I'm rambling towards a goodbye, but I have to echo what Richard said. We don't know what this is. We don't know. Um, it sucks. We don't know if this is, uh, see you in August. We don't know if this is see you in another capacity in another life. Um, but you know, the draft is this week in terrible (laughs) transitions. Um, it, it really hit me this morning, Richard, when I, I uh, was getting ready to come to work. This is my second day back, by the way. Um, it's not like I've been gone completely. If you're if you're on Banner Society Instagram, I was doing Insta for Olds a good bit just because I was getting really, really tired of paternity leave and children. Um, if you're quarantined, and you probably are, throw another six weeks on top of that. That's how long I've been quarantined, basically. <laughs> I could come and go a little bit, but um, the concept of being like stuck in the house with your family... I've been I've been rocking that bad boy since February fifth, so I'm I'm beyond punchy. Uh, when I, I woke up this morning, day two back, I completely forgot, and I do this about every two hours that the NFL draft is this week. I imagine you are forgetting as well because I mean, on top of everything else with the furlough, you're in New York City, which is in a, a completely different like frequency of perception and emotion right now, and yet this like massive, really the event that's. Other than actual football, Richard, this is the biggest event of the year. It's the biggest event of the offseason for people like us. Uh, yeah, the, the draft is I, – I love the draft. I really do. Uh, the draft is graduation. I am I, – I don't know if I'm ever prouder to be a college football fan than when I watch the draft. Um, I, I – you know, some of these – some of the guys that are that are out now and a lot of them are, you know – second or third year pros, but like there was a, a phase a couple of years ago where I like covered these guys in high school and I'm seeing them drafted. Like I covered Leonard Fournette at a high school all-star game. I covered, you know, uh, Jamal Adams. You know, I, I, I was with these guys when I was like 19 and they were like 16. Um, and so to watch how our trajectories have gone in our chosen fields ha- had always been really heartening. And I think that's the soul of the NFL draft. And and we give the NFL a lot of shit. And, I, you know, and you guys give us a lot of shit for talking about the NFL. But the NFL has never the NFL has never seemed more like college football or maybe the word is ready for the college football player to come and to osmosis his way into the league from day one. Now, this season's going to be weird for a lot of reasons whenever it gets played. I, I do not think you should expect rookies to be really good this year, but that's another story entirely. The, the, it's, it, 
it's it's not like we're shipping as a college football fan in the recent years it hasn't felt like we're shipping college players to a terribly uncertain league a league that's not ready for them particularly with the quarterbacks um they are going to a league that wants and needs them I, I think you know there are some barriers that we need to break down with like Isaiah Simmons is what I'm talking about like there are a lot of people who are like oh defensive coordinators aren't ready for Isaiah Simmons like well, look, there are going to be more Isaiah Simmonses in the future coming from college football. So you better get ready. Similar to the offense, you better get ready to use these guys or you are wasting them and you're burning your own uh, uh, you know, job security because you can't or won't or don't want to use them. Well, let me ask you about Simmons first then, actually, because as I've been gone, I have not paid like a, a ridiculous amount of attention to the draft in terms of like draft narratives. Um, it was funny because I was about to bring up, it was only five, six off seasons ago that we were all dunking on a lot of NFL media, like Pete Prisco, who blocked me on Twitter, um, <laughs> for trying to shame the entire sport of college football for the style in which it was grooming quarterbacks. And it's so weird to think about like post Mahomes Super Bowl that that really I'm not talking about a generation ago I'm not even talking about a decade ago it was like 5 or 6 years ago yeah they, like it's it's it very not too like distant future uh when we talk about this kind of thing like I, I I'll get to Simmons in a second but as far as like the quarterbacks go it, it is important to yes the racism is going to be there it's still there you guys know it I, it just is wait there. who's the white superstar this year oh uh, um it, it might be Justin Herbert. <laughs> yeah, but do we Justin give? Herbert. But do we do we give him white? Oh no, it's not Justin Herbert. It's Fromm. I would. I don't think he's. I don't think Fromm's a superstar. Fromm is not high on people's board. I, I will give draft Twitter and the draft industrial complex. See, this yeah. is you've been out. This, this is he did not him or Eason did not really get the inflated bump. And I'll promise I'll bring this around to, to Isaiah Simmons. Well, then wait, wait, but, but let me ask you real fast. What is the barrier for holding true on that? In other words, how, at what level, like what second or above, if Fromm goes, do you do you put white savior on him? If, if Fromm or Eason get taken in the first, if Fromm or Eason get taken before the third round, I will be okay. very I'll be very surprised if they get taken in the third round. I may think that's a bit of a reach, but I can see it. Um, okay. If, right. if, but if they get taken, if one of them gets taken in the first round, I like I, I mean, I'll eat my hat. I have no idea. I, I will have no right. clue. So but, at random, just for perspective, um, I'm pulling up. And I, I'm not even going to list this site because I, I think it's a site that took it from another site. OK, Um. Number one, this is the quarterbacks going into the drinks, roughly ranked. Okay, uh, number one, Joe Burrow makes sense. He's going to go to the Bengals, right? Yeah, I, number yeah, yeah. Number two, Tua. Number three, Justin Herbert. Number four, Jordan Love from Utah State. Well, uh, yeah, and that's maybe maybe we'll make our first mark there. Then, well, yeah, we'll come back to Love. From Eason, Bryce Perkins from Virginia. Number. Eight is Jalen Hurts. Interesting. Number nine is Nate Stanley from Iowa. And then 10 is Anthony Gordon from Wazoo. Um, I, I kind of, so that's roughly, it's, that's like, I, I don't think that's, I, I don't think that's bad as far as a quarterback tiering exercise. I think yeah. what, what you need to look into that is where they're slotted to go. That's where so, you need to. Like, I think the thing with Hertz is interesting because the thing with Hertz, you're starting to see people overcompensate for what they thought about Lamar or didn't think about Lamar or how they yeah. missed on Lamar. And it's yeah, people who, and, and people are kind of overcompensating for that by potentially boosting Jalen Hurts. I do not think Jalen Hurts is a starting caliber NFL quarterback. I just don't. I think he, at best, can be a better version of what the Saints do with Taysom Hill. I think you can create a, a pretty interesting change up to your offense by doing that. Look at what Florida did in 2006. Look at what the Saints have been doing with Taysom Hill as well. You can do it. It can be done. But I do not think he's a starting caliber quarterback. Um, Jordan Love is is funny because Jordan Love is a little bit of people doing the Mahomes thing. I mean, you want me to be honest? Patrick Mahomes' footwork sucked when he came out of college. It did. 
it, I mean, it kind of still does, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because of the things he is able to do when he freelances out of the pocket or throws the ball literally 70 yards. Like it, there are so many things about Patrick's game that as we all see every week um, can be special, but you know, four years ago or three years ago when he was coming out and it was, oh, his footwork sucks. I I think that became a thing to drop him on draft boards. And I think what is interesting as the draft industrial complex evolves is how people are looking at the way they evolve quarterbacks even three, four, five years ago and saying there are things that quarterbacks did or didn't do that I need to recalibrate my assessment. Like maybe there are things that are that were otherwise limiting factors four years ago that maybe we need to to recalibrate. And I think people see Jordan Love's arm and they say, oh, he's got a cannon. Um, but and a plug. If you want to go back to our late February PAPN with the homie Derek Klassen, we went really deep into all the quarterbacks and talked about kind of what they could and couldn't do and, and that's that sort of stuff. All right. I'm just I'm gonna make you GM real fast. Um and then we'll talk about, I think Isaiah is way more interesting, but you know, it's quarterbacks. Plus we got to get our traffic up or what's going to happen to our podcast. <laughs> um, Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow. Um, I'm asking you, by the way, for everything I'm about to do, don't plug it into the NFL for purposes of PAPN, plug it into the collegiate product that they've already created and what you feel like will, what kind of equity that, that shows to you. So Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow. He's going to be the first pick in the draft. He's going to go to the Bengals. I think he's fantastic. That's about as informed as I'm going to get on that shit. Tua <laughs> and Justin and and uh, I'm sorry, Tua and Herbert. If they go in the first or like to the top fifty picks or whatever, okay, fine. I, I don't really know. Oh, I, know. I mean, they're n- none of those three guys are going to make it out of the first round. They might not okay. make it out of the first fifteen picks. I don't know if there's still a thing on Tua's health. I don't know if there, like, you know, there the is Giants not really. To okay, be the Giants were very interested in, in in Herbert, which probably makes other people worry what's wrong with him. Um, now I want to get into this because I'm genuinely curious. Jordan Love, Jay, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, Bryce Perkins, Jalen Hurts. Uh, let's, you know what I like, Nate Stanley and Gordon. Let's leave them. Jesus off. Christ! I what? want this four through. I want this four through eight right here. I, I mean, it's- if I come to you in the war room, all right, and I walk up to you, and I say. Jordan Love or Jake Fromm? Who are you doing? What, what, what we got? Jordan Love for the upside. I think Jordan Love has upside that Jake Fromm. I think Jordan Love has upside uh, that Jake Fromm can't touch. And if I come to you and I say Jordan Love or Jacob Eason? Pro- probably still Jordan Love. Probably still. If I come Love. to you and I say Jordan Love or Bryce Perkins? Oh, that's that's Pretty raw, Love. Bryce Perkins, right? That's Jordan Love by head and shoulders i think i don't think bryce perkins is very good and then i already know jordan love or jalen hurts you can say jordan love right yes all right so you heard it here first richard very much pro jordan love thinks he's actually the sleeper quarterback of this draft Lord. understood okay Lord. here's what i'm gonna get you ready if you, if i made you if i made you with all the information that we have gleaned as college football media peoples take jake Fromm. Jacob Eason or Jalen Hurts. All right. If I make you develop that one of those three quarterbacks, which one are you taking? It's probably Jalen. Made you. It's Jaylen probably Jalen. If I had to gun to my head, take one of the three. I think we take Jalen. I think you understand his limitations. I think you understand his ceiling. And I think you try to build similarly not okay i think in the same lane of what baltimore tried to do with lamar which is you try to build a bully that's what baltimore was baltimore was a bully now lamar can chuck it lamar can really spin it but uh what they really wanted to do was out physical you out physical you with how they ran lamar with definitely how they ran mark ingram with how they played defense on the other side um i think they tried to be the I I think like in that t- it, it's funny that the Titans beat them because I think what if besides Derrick Henry and and what he gives that offense that t- Titans offense I think the Titans would much rather have the one two kind of two headed punch 
that Lamar and Mark Ingram gave. Like that just gives you and makes you a more versatile and hard to stop offense when you are using the quarterback run game. I, I like, yeah, maybe maybe that would mean Jalen gets hurt because it's the NFL and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if I'm trying to build a a quote unquote multiple offense, a varied offense, that's what I would do. That's what I would shoot for. I think I'm a little tired of everyone's rejoinder being, well, it's the NFL. They're going to get hurt. Like Joe Burrow is going to get hurt too, by the way. Right. Joe Burrow scooted his ass all over the field this year and was absolutely amazing throwing in motion and scrambling and junk time and all that. But we don't ever talk about Joe Burrow that way. Right. It's very true. Joe it's Burrow. Very true. I saw Joe Burrow play in person this year and he was doing all kinds of fantastic firework, cool shit when like the play was long since done. I mean, the thing with Joe Burrow is going to be, what happens when he doesn't have five options? <laughs> what happens when he doesn't have five receivers to throw to? Five, five options, three and a half of which have clearly, clearly overwhelmed their opponent. Yeah. Overwhelmed their defender, well out in space, confused the shit out of a DC. The game I saw was AM. This is why I'm piling on. Um, all right. What are we going to do about this young man from Clemson? it's we are just we 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 have gotten to the point we draft industrial complex that i keep saying it's it's like it's like okay we have consensus on these handfuls but i will give draft twitter this i have not heard anybody say shit about chase young (laughs) chase young might be the even more than joe burrow chase young might be the most inoffensive uh draft prospect i can remember in a good while. I mean, he is really good. And if Washington takes him too, Washington is going to have one of the best front sevens in the NFL. Quote me. Anywho, um, we've gotten to the point where Isaiah Simmons is like, he was a guy we had consensus on, really good, top five-ish, very, very good player. And then anonymous NFL scout comes out and says a couple things a week before the draft because all the the regular takes on Isaiah Simmons, all the takes that certify that he's good, how he's good, where he fits, etc., those takes are taken. So in the void, we insert the contrarian takes. And that is what that is why you saw like anonymous NFL scout last week, uh there was something that blew up about how uh, you know, Simmons doesn't hit hard or, or some shit or can't cover well or some shit. I can't even remember what it was. Um, now, I, I do think in a sense, the multiple different ways that Venables used Isaiah Simmons can sort of work. This is how that works against him. Jack of all trades, master of none type thing. Um, I get that. I get why you would see that. But I, I can't, I cannot fathom Seeing what that guy can do, being an NFL mind as a defensive coordinator and thinking I can't do anything with him. I can't figure him out. Like intellectually, what what sort of just intellectual bankruptcy is it for some of the smartest thinkers in the game of football to say, can't do anything with that guy? Wasn't that whole, but wasn't the problem to begin with on the quarterback side other than prejudice and social stigma i mean part of it's wasn't covering a, your ass but, part of it's covering yeah, your what, ass because you don't want to take but, a swing and get fired but wasn't a lot of it just a resistance to the nfl had put up a really nice clean wall there for maybe like 20-ish years of this is pro football and this is everything else and you adhere to these systems these presets these concepts and over time desperate program de- programs desperate desperate franchises started incorporating you know different very collegiate things in and then slowly that wall broke you know it's breaking down broken down i feel like mahomes i do feel like this past super bowl will be a will be sort of identified in hindsight as something that was you know a a, a turning point but i don't know if simmons represents as big a hurdle or as big a stigma just because it's not that position that's that's the thing it's because he plays defense i i still find it shocking that the first reaction is how in the world could it be we don't know what to do with him or what what could we do with him now if this affects his draft stock i understand that right if 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 there's too many variables i get that if you don't want to make a particular dollar investment in a player but this idea that all of a sudden he's this like impossible fit i i I don't i don't get that at all like you this is a guy in my opinion if he doesn't fit into your defensive scheme your defensive scheme sucks 
explain just real quick the specific knock on him in terms of being a surefire pick. Uh, it's it's that he did so many things that you don't know what he does the best, I think. Um, God, I mean, that's some dumb sounding scout shit, isn't it? I can say, if you want to go ahead and do some great radio and pull up the thing that was circulating last week, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, last week was pretty busy. Um, like, I get, I, I understand kind of conceptually that notion. Um, I do not think he should play safety. I think he should play linebacker. Um, I, but I, I think when you bring him down closer to the line of scrimmage and you let him blitz, um, and you let him do some things that can showcase his natural athleticism, like that's the best way to use him. I think he can, I think he can shadow, you know, some of the more flexed out, uh, Y tight ends that are less big blocking guys. Travis Kelsey is who I'm thinking the archetype I'm thinking of. I think, I think Isaiah Sims can match up with a Travis Kelsey, those types of guys. Um, I definitely do. If you're, if you're going to more of like a, a two, four, five defense anyway, like, yeah, I think he can work in there. I think that's definitely a, a fit for him. Um, I, I do not think he can be, and this is not how he was played, but I do not think he's going to be some four, three Luke Keekly stop gap linebacker. That's, that's not his game and was never really his game. Um, I, I think he's a guy who I would just in the kind of most rudimentary way possible say stick him outside at apex uh, and stick him in space and let him play. Apex, um, overhang, whatever you want to call it. First defender outside of uh, the defensive end. Would you like a uh, surprising and abrupt topic change as we record this? Give it to me. Last day of school. Headline, Boise State coaches will take furloughs. Broncos football game at Marshall rescheduled. Oh, oh my God. The Bronco. No. Uh, yeah, they're moving their game to Friday night. Um, Boise State coaches will be required to take furloughs as the university deals with funding shortfalls due to the coronavirus pandemic. University President Marlene Trump, not Trump, Trump. Uh, emailed faculty and staff about the furloughs on Monday, saying events had, uh, events that had been canceled stretching into the summer have contributed to a nearly $10 million loss. A university spokesman uh, blah, 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 confirmed that the coaches are included. Uh, and then they're going to try and break this down just to give you an idea of what these furloughs look like. Per the school's announcements, all employees who are paid more than $40,000 a year are required to take furloughs. The majority of Boise State's football coaches make more than $150,000 annually and will fall into the highest tier of furlough days at 10. Recently hired running backs coach Winston Venable will be required to take seven. Furloughed employees aren't allowed to perform any work when they're off. Yes. Football coach Brian (laughs) Harson's base salary is $1.65 million this year. The basketball coach Leon Rice's base was $705 and $219. Uh, they go on with the different head coaches. Um, two weeks of salary for Harson is about $63,000. By the way, a contract does not make employees exempt from furloughs. According to the FAQ on Boise State's official site, um, that is it. And then, yeah, they all, I love It's such a bombshell, weird news item. And they're like, by the way, they moved the Marshall game to Friday night. Um, wow. Wow. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of Boise's finances. They're pretty unique in that they are they are capable at times of pulling off some P5 stuff in terms of the facility spending, in terms of um, – I, I think their offseason and their camps, their marketing, their recruiting, it looks a lot like a P5, especially on the West Coast. And I think my assumption is, Richard, that that requires a good bit of overhead that they don't have. So, huh. Um, I think you'll be hard-pressed to find anyone who has any sort of sympathy for football coaches. I say this as a guy like, you know, we've had Harson on the show before. He's a very nice man. Um, been out to Boise a couple times. Very nice people, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, uh, I'm a little blown away that the football coaches were not exempt. I guess we should say from a moral standpoint, if you're going to furlough university employees and not furlough some of the most the highest paid individuals at the entire university, and the entire state, a lot yeah, of them. I mean, it would be that would that would you know 
be fairly disingenuous. Um, it doesn't really matter a ton financially uh, unless you're in a, it, it's going to hurt the assistants more. I would not be shocked if, if they find a way, if Harson finds a way to get the, those guys paid in a different way or compensate them because the majority of head coaches pay, it, it doesn't actually come from that dollar amount that they mentioned in the story. That's, that's how much the state pays you. Almost every head coach in the country is paid by some sort of third party entity, some sort of trust, I, some sort of foundation. I do think we're there's going to be let's let's say they play this season in one shape, one way, shape, or form that is not twelve games as we know it classically. I am very interested in some of those contract stipulations and incentives and how those things kick in and that like. Those 10 win escalators, what happens if we don't have 10 games? That sort of stuff. I feel comfortable, you know, my, my so my party line and like talking about this on Twitter and talking about this on a couple radio hits I've done as I've come back and like I'll say it here on PAPN because I haven't done it yet. We don't know. Uh, there's a lot we don't know and everything that's gone on in the last four to five weeks in regard specifically to the NFL, to college, uh, college football has been speculation. Yeah, some of it informed, some of it just purely speculative. Um, but the bottom line is this. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We're trying to learn. And I think the people that are in power are trying to make a decision. But they are they none of them are want to make this decision in the next two weeks. If okay? you like it, it, this is not this is we are recording this on April 21st. The people we hear talking with any degree of certainty are talking out of their ass. Like, yes. just because you say something loudly or forcefully does not mean, just because you sound certain does not mean you are certain or doesn't mean your words are actually certain when we take them out of the context of the conversation. Like, we, me and I know Godfrey when he walks the dog, like, we talk to people in this sport who have an opinion, some educated, some not, about what's going on. I've heard the gamut. I've heard multiple of the same gamut from a couple people. Typically, I think in a normal uh, structure, I think that would build consensus. And I think me and Godfrey would be on the way to reporting something. But then you remember that in that Georgia's going to open at the end of the week and my state's not going to open till at least the end of May. And yeah. what the hell do you do with that? Okay, so I feel like we've done a really, really good qualifier there. Let's start speculating. Yeah, buddy. Um, October first, conference games only. Bring it. Pe- nah. I, oh, I, I don't know. Maybe. Um. One thing that I, I I will say this. Okay. We just we just gave ourselves a really big disclaimer to talk about like we don't know when games are going to be played if there's going to be an amended season, delayed season, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'll tell you one thing that I know is going to happen for a fact, not just based on the the athletic budget of Boise State University. There are some some coaches who straight up need to get their ass fired this year, Richard, and they're not going to get fired. Like, there's going to be a three or four win. T- there's going to be a three or four win coach out of Power Five who, in any other circumstance, would get the axe, and it's not going to happen because of budget. They don't have the money for a fact, yeah. guarantee. And it's Probably. not even they don't have the money. It's I don't know if anybody's seen what's going on in Texas right now, but. There are going to be some people who you'd pass the hat to that aren't going to have the money. Ain't no hat passing this year, folks. Like what happened at the Mississippis this year? Uh, uh-uh. uh, no, what ain't happening, dog. I'm just telling you. Now. <laughs> like they don't. Liquidity has dried up for the moment. I'm not saying the world's ending or we're entering a depression necessarily, but I am saying like this concept of like, oh man, we gotta scrape together four and a half million like nah this ain't the year to do that what did you what did you see in like 2009 in 2009's coaching cycle like were you in it enough to like see really the like some sort of difference the volatility was not at this level right just like in a regular year you mean yeah, the budgets were different too because this is pre-conference networks, so they were like they were big. Don't get me wrong; like you go back and look at college football from like two thousand, like look at it at six and seven. I, you know, it, I'd be interested, you know, if we had a reason to do this, but we don't right now. Um, to examine, <laughs> can you can you glean a recession from looking at the, the football seasons and the culture and the storylines of oh five, oh six, oh seven, and oh eight, nine, and ten? I don't think that you can. 
I really don't. I think you're probably right primarily because of who was winning. Like yes. Florida was winning. <clears throat> um, you know, I, the, 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 the teams that always won won and were winning. Like that was the beginning of the real SEC industrial complex, like all that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, if anything, it's, it's funny because it's, it's, it's almost counter to what you think a recession should decimate, you know, the poorest part of the country and from the ashes of it, um, you know, created absolute behemoths that are broadly speaking, still behemoths, or at least that part of the country. I mean, when you were in mm-hmm. college, the early 2000s, the SEC did not have its act together. Um, was not we sure right. Th- we sure thought it did, though. We sure thought it did. Um, there was that attitude. We were real bully about Florida and Tennessee. as SEC, And that was like an SEC thing that we all did. We all just coalesce around that. But you're right. That was back when the Big 12 really had a claim to do something that the SEC figured out before they could. That's another podcast for another day. Or maybe on another podcast. Who knows? Um, I, no, I, I don't think that you can identify necessarily uh, any sort of volatility, or you, you couldn't take a line of behavior or a trend during the recession years, unless I'm just not thinking right. Now, we're talking about coaching hire and fire, right? I think if you were to look behind the scenes in fundraising facilities, that kind of stuff, I think you would definitely see that. Uh, it would go by the state level. Um, I also Again. like what's what think about what's I'm just kind of thinking and this is probably way I'm painting with a broad brush but I'm thinking about like what broke bad in 2008 like it was like a a housing market crash and so like it's private equity guys that are up my way that were buying bundles of shitty mortgages it wasn't what's happening in texas right now which is like a more college like i think what is happening in texas with oil pricing is something that could affect possibly college football and the spending of coaches etc because the guys who pass the hat pass the hat to guys that are in oil they don't necessarily and i am painting with a broad brush pass the hat to lehman brothers up in new york well, so a couple things. Um, it, it is a rubber band effect. It's like a wave, right? It doesn't get, it doesn't hit everybody at once. And I think what happened, especially when the housing market went, was a delayed reaction depending on what you did for a living and where you did it. Construction probably um, wasn't fun. Exactly. Now, how that affected, you know, athletic budgets. I would cede that to an expert. How it affected the booster culture. I think it depends on what. I mean. The, the booster culture of Notre Dame and the booster culture of Texas A&M are very different looking animals. Um, here's one thing, though, that I would throw out, and, and I'll be curious to see if it holds true in the next two or three years if this thing were to get really, really bad. It's hard to measure college football this way because, Richard, the whole reason we're here is the outsized importance placed upon this one thing by so many rich people. In other words, what I mean is when someone who's a mid or, or mid to mid-high tier booster – who's making, who has an annual 10 million. Okay. Um, they have to start cutting things. I'm going to tell you right now, that 30A condo is going to go before anything that would affect dear old state university. Yeah. And therefore it's always a little trickier to, to do that. Now support. I mean, we, we've seen this red flag being thrown up for the past two or three weeks of athletic directors saying, if football doesn't happen this year, nothing happens this year. Like we've seen that happen. I think in a recession, I definitely think you see more of a stress placed upon non-revenue generating sports for obvious reasons. And I think that's going to happen in the future anyway. I mean, I do think that some of the things I think some, (laughs) You could say that it mirrors a situation that's a little near and dear to our hearts as well. But like you may see ADs and college administrations, athletic associations make moves that they wanted to make anyway and now have and blame it on COVID and blame it on COVID and now have the avenue to do that. I'm not saying it's going to happen across the board, but who would do such a thing? Can't imagine. Um, Like you're going to see a little bit of that. Um, And I think that is one of the more interesting things. Like who who had been lying about what they thought about particular college sports or or yeah. uh, particular sports just and 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 we're gonna see some of that unfortunate for the student athletes like some of that come to bear uh, pretty soon. I will say this: I do not the one a uh, one thing that I do think has a good amount of certainty 
with it just because of what I kind of know about how college athletics departments work is I do not necessarily think football can go deep into the spring if you want to do other sports and have other sports as normal because the amount of strain that it would I I worked with people at Florida who worked other sports during the spring and worked football during the fall like that that even at a Florida sized athletic department it can be all hands on deck for football in the fall. Oh yeah, no, it, yeah. I would so, say at the biggest, yeah, the biggest schools in the country right now would tell you that their comms, marketing, all those teams, everyone does football. A portion starts basketball, and then the spring is like everyone is chopped up into everything from like soccer to tennis to what have you. Like they were, there would have to be a serious overhauling in the way that athletic departments handle like from from the the live event perspective of putting on the event as well as the marketing the communications the ticket sales all of the little functional pieces that make a football game happen in the spring are you also like are you running a i mean let me just throw one out are we playing football and we're playing football in march you're thinking just hypothetically right I, I saturday do, i do not think we can get much deeper than february Okay, here's why you can't do it in March at the school that I went to, the college I went to, or maybe even the college that you went to at Florida. Because I went, to, I went to a uh, below the fold athletic budget in the SEC, and you went to an above the fold budget in the SEC. Okay, and the reason why I use the SEC is they're the richest, right? They're the craziest. They're the most passionate. They're the most committed. If you look at a Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Gainesville or Oxford or any of the, any of the schools, it doesn't really matter. You're going to tell me, let's let's use Gainesville. Let's use the bigger school as the example. You're going to play a football game Saturday against South Carolina. You are, at the same time you're playing that football game, going to be hosting a men's basketball game? Across the street at the O'Connell Center? Across the street. But wait, you're also going to have all of the other spring sports, which in Florida is much, much more, right? Because the O'Connell Center uses like, I mean, you, you guys have more sports. You have bigger budget. Yeah, they play both basketballs in there. They play gymnastics in there. Uh, right. Indoor track. So you're going to have you're gonna have all the spring schedule on top of all of the, I, I just want you to think, if you're listening to this and you went to a P5 school especially, um, think about the stress on your campus. So I went to like my campus that I went to, my college is very small. Like in terms of in terms of the uh, actual area square footage, and so when a football game happens and there's, uh, you know, a hundred thousand plus coming into a small town like Oxford plus, you know, sixty five seventy thousand people in the stadium whatever for a big weekend, you can't really do anything else. That's why in the fall, they play the men's basketball games against like you know southeastern Louisiana on, on Friday night yeah. at six. <laughs> on you Fridays. know, like. And they beg 2,000 people to show up. Like this, the idea of running all these sports concurrent. Oh, the other one that I was going to was going to point out on Saturday is, at least in the SEC West, everyone's probably screaming at me right now, a home football game, okay? The men's basketball season, which is, which is the other revenue-generating sport, Richard, and as you know, we can't move or manipulate that because we already cut off March Madness once. Right. So we, we killed March Madness for 2020. So we can't change, manipulate, do anything to that basketball season again for 21 so you have at the o'connell center they're playing a game where's your baseball stadium well they're the funny thing is they just are building a new one right now right. i'm not sure about the status of construction but they are building a okay. new one right now so in like seven or eight of the sec schools a home baseball series especially in conference play is a big damn deal you either completely agree with me on that or you don't understand and think i'm crazy and i can't really convince you but i'm just telling you it is right my idea of fun is not a four and a half hour game with metal bats, but where it ends like 12 to eight and they use 26 pitchers. But college baseball has a dedicated ass following. And like, I like think about, I mean, you can also, you also conceptually as a fan know what this sort of looks like. Think about spring game Saturday. If you've been to, a, yes, I'm really thinking about the SEC here, but I, I'm, I venture to guess. It's like this in the Big 12, too. Like, if you think about what spring game Saturday is, right? Spring game Saturday, spring game 12 o'clock ends at 2. Then there's a baseball game. Then there's a softball game. Then there's, you know, whatever. You see a concert or something like that. Yeah, yeah. that night or whatever. And it's you a guys, full was day. That, does that weekend have a name in Gainesville? They, I can't re- They used to call it something, and it was, like, sponsored by somebody or something like that. But, yeah, it was right. a big weekend. Everyone has like, a name, yeah. It, yeah, it was a big weekend, and it was kind of like a festival of the school and and – 
college sports and stuff like that in the spring, but it was all anchored to the spring game. Now, the spring game was like half capacity, obviously, but like there were still people coming up from Orlando for the whole day. Like people still did that. I would be genuinely curious and I'll holler it. I just want to use LSU as a good example. Like, because I can just visualize that campus right now. They're the defending national champions in football. You'd have a six o'clock night game because, of, you know, we're playing at night, right? I don't know if you can get the police, EMTs, stadium employees, all that across the street to do a nine inning game at Alex Box across the street, a night game at LSU, and then also something going on at the PMAC, which is like on the other side. Man, some LSU fans go scream at me about my geography uh, of the stadium. I don't know. Like, I don't even know if you could pull off the baseball game and the basketball game while people are tailgating before the LSU game because most of the campus is shut down and state troopers are like running one way traffic. And that so, campus is already hell to try to get in and out of for a football game. I did it a couple months ago. Baton Rouge is hell to drive around in on a fucking Tuesday. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess last season we both had like driving horror stories in Baton Rouge. Um, I don't know, like we're, we're kind of belaboring the point here, but like this is this is the kind of stuff they're going to have to think about. And I don't know how many schools are structurally equipped to do this. So I don't know if you can play football past. You said February. I think if you get past February, you get into some trouble. And I also think you get into some trouble because on the other end, and this probably applies most to the big schools too, but like you've got guys who are potential draft picks who are not going to want to play because oh, let me tell you this. That's a good the damn NFL ain't moving a goddamn thing. You think that combine ain't happening first week in March? Richard, you're a four-star defensive tackle on a five and five football team with two games left. Buddy. But there's but there's only four weeks before that, before the draft. See ya. Nah, dog. You ain't playing. Nobody's See playing. Ya. There's no way that's happening. Um I will say this. I guess I'm saying this as a reporter. Anyone I talk to in the NFL, everyone else is going, well, wait and see. We don't know. We'll wait and see. We don't <laughs> NFL know. I hope. I believe. The NFL's like, <laughs> what? What do you mean? Like everyone I've talked to, it's not a ton of people, but anyone who's remotely involved with the NFL, they're like, I'm like, have you guys like discussed, you know, like a abbreviated season, playing all your games? And they're like, the fuck? Like what? Yeah. Every time I do that, they're like, they look at me as if they haven't heard about what's going on. There are some, there are some like, there's, there's when they release the NFL schedule in a couple of weeks, there's going to be, I, I think, a structure where you're going to be like, OK, if they need to play 10, they could play 10 if they need. Da, 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 da. Yeah, um, I think the easy way to do it is just if you can't play 16, you play only your conference games is the first cutoff. So that would cut off the four opposite division games and then the one extra. Right. Um, and then you're playing like 11. And then if that mm-hmm. doesn't work, you can only play your division games or something. So like you're that. saying you're saying the NFL just play. So you play your division twice, and then your remaining uh, NFC or AFC games. Yes, your your remaining conference games. And if that doesn't work, then maybe you truncate it back to just your division games, and that's how you determine the playoff or whatever. The wild card would be weird, weird or whatever. But I'll tell you this: like the like the NFL, like it it seems that it was like a heaven and earth moving thing to get them to move like rookie minicamp. That I think all of us realized mid March was not happening. I mean, I'll I'll put it this way: like I've, they are not even moving the international games <laughs> as of right now. They are, and, and every time you mention it, it's like what? So, if you want to feel good, and you want to you want a dose of positivity in terms of we're going to have football this fall, the NFL thinks I'm crazy for even discussing this. That's about as positive as I can get. The college landscape is 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 totally opposite. I would say. I sure. you like can, it's you cannot. People are terrified. Yeah, I, because look the the you cannot play games without kids on campus. Hey Tom, you cannot play you. games without kids on campus. It just cannot happen. No, Mm-mm. it ain't gonna um, happen. There's an environment in which we. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I really want to go down this road necessarily of like there's an NFL with a with a empty stadium, but there's a college with something else like that's where I think I think this is we, we've let the conversation ebb and flow naturally. And this is the point where people want to make declarative statements and it's not possible. 
Which is frustrating because people want to know. I want to know. Yeah, we all do. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously we're all really enjoying all this chaos in the media. I love that narrative. Oh, yeah. That's what, uh, that, that we invented it? Yeah. We're profiting off of it. Yeah, I'm fucking it. psyched that I'm losing my job for three months. Yeah. If we figured out how to profit off of it, I missed that staff meeting. Um, um, well, Richard, uh, we will hmm, let's not make any promises here. Um, we're not dying. I, we have I better not. I can't afford it. Um, we are available on Twitter. We are available on Instagram. You're not. You better. You, you got to get a public Instagram. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if the streets are ready for that. Oh my God. Um, I am available on Instagram at 38 Godfrey as well as Twitter. RJ uh, underscore writes on Twitter for Richard. We are not dead. We are just in flux. R A G J four seven six at gmail.com. Um, if you were, if you work in the media and you would like some, some of the, the word writings done, talk to my friend, uh, shout out to Homefield. Shout out, shout out to Homefield. Shout, shout out. out to Cowbucker. Shout out to Homefield and Cowbucker. Um, if you have a spare couple bucks and you feel like buying a t-shirt or a hat, you better buy them from there or I'll punch you in the stomach. That's an old PAPN callback. Um, those those two businesses have assisted in uh, making the lives of my colleagues uh, better, uh, less shitty for the next 90 days. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know if I want to say much more, Richard, just because I don't want to get in trouble. Um, and I'm good at getting in trouble. And, um, you know, I don't want to put too much of a bow on this because we're not dying. And, and we know I know this. I'm gonna I'm gonna channel the art the, the holler and I did in a staff meeting the other day. Sorry, Richard. We know you exist. We definitely We know, we know, and I'm I'm fucking serious here, that the PAPN audience, the banner audience, the full cast audience, our family is a real fucking thing. So I want to be abundantly clear as this is the last PAPN for question mark future. We know you exist. We know how much we love you. Yeah, we we do love you. We know how much you love us. We love you. We feel that. We have now fucking seen that. And I didn't doubt it before. We will find you again. How's that? We'll be back. I don't know when. I don't know how. But we'll be back.